oh, you guys are spreading out farther and farther. I'm going to have to walk all the way down here. How are y'all? Everybody still hydrated? Did anybody shrivel up and blow away this afternoon? Yeah, did you? But now you're back? No, not very much. Everybody got your uh, books? So if you're drawing, it's all right. You're allowed to draw. They gave you a page to draw. I'm not going to yell at you for drawing. Anybody come up with anything good last night? You had a pretty good picture going, and I asked you today, what was it? And you said, it's Joe. You're illustrating the wrong lectures. That's okay. And there's the whirlwind. Whoa, ho, 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 ho. No visible representations of God. Good for that. All right. You don't have to draw, but you may, as long as you also listen, especially listen. Let's remind ourselves. Or let's you remind me of what we were talking about last night. What passage are we studying? Little bit of twelve. Little teeny tiny part of twelve. Just just get a taste and then you gotta stop like that tiramisu. Whoops. Right, so chapter eleven, and um it's a hall of fame with little portraits of what? No, not children. Well, maybe some children, but no named children. What's the chapter about? We were talking about heroes, superheroes, God's superheroes, and the superpower of God's superheroes is faith. That's what you were going to say, right? But he cut you off. Yeah, he didn't let you say it. Faith. And a faith that produces courage. We're going to talk about that tonight. Because you've got to be courageous sometimes if you're a person of faith. And endurance. You've got to keep on going. Because again, it'll come clearer tonight that we're all moving toward a future. We don't know if it's next week or next year or ten years from now or a thousand from now, but it's in the future, and because it's in the future, it's not seen, but that's okay, because faith sees what's unseen, right? Faith worships a God that we cannot see, and yet we know he's there, and we know that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, and we're looking for this future. Now, this is not a happy lesson about faith, because tonight I want to tell you that if you're a person of faith, you might have to die. Matter of fact, on one level, you will have to die. Matter of fact, on another level, you've already died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let's start with Abel. Who can tell me anything about Abel? Right. Okay. Very good. Did he? Uh, let, who, what 
because Abel always goes together with, what was his brother's name? Cain, right. Cain and Abel, and they were the sons of Adam and Eve. Yeah, yeah, okay. They were brothers. I had a brother. We fought all the time. Did you suppose Cain and Abel fought when they were kids? Do you have a brother? Yeah, you fight with them. They fight with you. Beat up on you because you're the youngest. Yeah, boy, I hate that. Okay, so Cain and Abel, and we read here then, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. So Abel offers a sacrifice from his flock. It's accepted by God. But Cain's sacrifice is not accepted. Now, theologians talk about why was one accepted and why was one not. Well, this really tells us that the heart of the matter was that Abel offered his sacrifice with a heart of faith, and Cain didn't. You know, he sometimes thinks, well, there are different kinds of sacrifices. But as a matter of fact, in God's law, there were atonement sacrifices that shed blood, and there were offerings from the fields and and the vineyards and the and the orchards of God's people. So God does accept both kinds of sacrifices, but he doesn't accept a sacrifice that isn't given from a heart of faith. Now, that's the point, but we are all supposed to remember what happened to Abel for his trouble. You remember? God accepted his sacrifice, but what? All right, Cain, probably jealous, right? So mad at his brother Abel that he killed him. They're out in the field, nobody was around. Pow! And Cain killed Abel. Abel is the first in this line that was faithful to God, and that got him killed by, well, really the seed of the serpent the enemy of God, Cain. Now, let's look a little bit later in the chapter. Here we read, just the story isn't mentioned, but the name is mentioned, but we're supposed to know the story. Time would fail me to tell about Gideon Barak Samson. Who knows Samson? What can you tell me about Samson? Somebody that hasn't told me anything yet. Very strong. He's the strangest inclusion in this whole chapter. Because when you read the story of Samson, you wouldn't think he was a very good guy, right? What were you going to say? Yeah, exactly right. So he was one of the judges. God raised him up to fight against the Philistines, who were the enemies of God. But Samson was pretty self-centered. He wasn't a very obedient son. And most of the time, as you read the story of Samson, you're not quite sure whether it's his intention to serve God or just 
to do what seems right. He, he, he marries a pagan woman. And of course, remember, she, what did she do to his hair? You keep your mouth shut. Remember? Cut it off. And then he was just as weak as a kitten. And so they tied him up. They took him to the temple of the god of the Philistines. And there they were making fun of him until he asked God, just in that last moment, maybe the one flash of faith in his heart and life, give me strength, Lord. And he pushed the pillars of the temple and it all came crashing down, and he died, but so did the enemies of God. So another instance where, by faith, Samson did something that was in the service of God, but it ended in his own death. And then, when you get to the later part, and I mentioned this last night, but it talks about people who were tortured, and put in prison. And one person is mentioned, it says they were stoned and sawn in two. Now, don't draw a picture of somebody being sawn That'll be too good. We think that that might be a reference to Isaiah. There's at least an ancient tradition that Isaiah was martyred by evil king Manasseh before his repentance, and sawn in half. Terrible. So, sometimes those who live by faith have to endure suffering, and in the morning, of course, you guys are out having your own classes, but we're talking about Job, who was a faithful man, but he suffered many things. You need to listen to me and not talk to him. Okay. So I said it it might be now I don't think that's anything that we want to sign up for, right? Pick me. I want to die for my faith. No. Unless of course faith gives you courage. And then you say it's more important for me to serve God than even to save my own life. Now, there's something else, too. It's not just courage, but it's that seeing the invisible. When we are faithful to the Lord, I mean, you could say, what, what would it be about faith that would make us willing to suffer and maybe even lose our lives? Now, you could say, well, it's because we love God more than anything else. And, and that would be true. You know, people lay down their life for people that they love. But the thing that's emphasized here is they're looking for something better than the life they have right now. That's that invisible future that's out there that they're waiting for, and, and they're willing to sacrifice what they have right now because they're looking for something else. For example, we read about Abraham, and it says that he left his homeland and went to another land. We'll talk about that tomorrow night. Are you losing so soon? Is this that bad? You have to go to the bathroom.
sorry. Don't you hate it when the preacher says, are you going to the bathroom? Okay, back to Abraham. He was willing to leave his homeland because, it says, verse 10, he was looking forward to the city that that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. He was going to receive the promise of a land, but he's looking way beyond that to what's described as a city that has foundations. Then, later on, in verse 14, it talks about a people who are seeking a homeland. Not where they are, but where they one day will be. Verse 16, as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call them, to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city, another city. So, so this unseen future is described as a city or a land that is prepared by God. We don't have it yet, but we're certainly going to get it because God has promised and he always keeps his promises. So we might be willing to give up our life here and now if we're really, really sure that what's coming is better and that we will certainly inherit it because God, the God who promised, is faithful. So, in that sense, you see, whether we die physically for our faith or not, we all are willing to give up the present, what we have, because we're looking, if necessary, now God doesn't require all of us to give up our stuff or give up our life, but he wants us to live in terms of that future, what's coming, that city. Now, all of these Old Testament saints had those promises, but at the end of the chapter, it says, they all, all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. We have a great advantage because they were still waiting for Jesus to turn up. They were still waiting for the final sacrifice of atonement. But that's already happened. For us, that's in the past. And so we have received better fulfillment of promises than they did. But lo and behold, the promise of that future that they were waiting for hasn't arrived yet. We're still waiting for it. We're still looking for that city that has foundations that homeland that God has prepared for us. And so if we walk by faith, if we're God's superheroes, we're going to be bold and courageous and we're going to persevere because we're always thinking about the future. Now, most people don't live that way. They live moment by moment, day to day. What happened to me? How will I react? And then I'll do nothing. And then something else will happen and I will react and then I'll do nothing. And then something else will happen, and I'll react. And they're like a pinball machine. I guess nobody plays pinball anymore. Maybe. Boing, 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 here and there, back and forth. Never going anywhere, just reacting to situations. But what sets us apart, got a good picture going there? Good. 
sets us apart is that we're always looking toward and pressing on toward that future. I said that all of us, if we're Christians, do have to die. But we may not physically die, but we have to die to ourselves. Listen to some words from our Lord Jesus. This comes in Luke chapter 9. You've probably heard this before, maybe? See if it sounds familiar. Y'all listening? Are you listening way out there? You're the future out there. Oh. And Jesus said to all of them who were following, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit if a person gains the whole world but loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Deny yourself, take up your cross. That's the call to discipleship. You know, there's a lot of people who would be willing to follow Jesus if it didn't cost them anything. Or if they could add Jesus to a whole pile of stuff that they already love and worship and serve. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you got to let all the rest of that go. Matter of fact, you have to let your very self, that worship of self that's so natural to all of us. When Jesus said, take up your cross, Everybody that was listening knew what he was talking about because the Romans executed a lot of people like they did later did Jesus by nailing them to a cross. And when someone was seen in the street carrying a cross, remember that in, in Jesus at the end of his life, he was carrying his own cross, right? Well, that wasn't the only time that happened. And if somebody saw somebody carrying a cross in the street, they would know that that person wasn't going to be back, coming back. They were gone. Their life was over because they carried that cross out to the place where they would be executed, and that would be the end of the story. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I've got this cross to bear. It's a grouchy husband, and I have to put up with him every day. It's noisy children that won't eat their vegetables, and I have to bear this burden. Or maybe I got... I got a pain in my gizzard and I can't, you know, some cross to bear. But that's not it. There are burdens to bear. But this means I have to daily take up my cross. I'm going to die today. So whether we lose our lives physically, we lose our lives for Jesus' sake so that we might gain them again. And as you guys grow up, you have to, you have to think about that. You know, you enjoy so many of the wonderful blessings of being a Christian, and when you're growing up, it hardly ever costs you anything. But when you get into school more, and maybe especially if you get into uh, older uh, education and you're among unbelievers, it's going to start really costing you emotional pain, Maybe grades, maybe advancements, 
because you are following Jesus and the enemies of God don't like people who follow Jesus. And as a whole culture, you know, um, people in America are coming to hate Christianity more and more. Fact. And they're getting bolder and bolder about telling Christians just to keep their mouths shut and get in line. So who knows, by the time you guys are grown up, it might cost you jobs, property, freedom. I mean, who knows? I'm not trying to scare you, but see, Jesus wants us to know the cost when we start. There's no fine print in the gospel. You know what fine print is? I have a contract, and it tells you all, this is going to be great, this is going to be great, this is going to be great, this is going to be great. And down at the very bottom, in really tiny little print, it says, this is going to be awful. And you read the great, 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 I love this stuff, and you don't read the fine print. Until later, when somebody says, you didn't read the fine print, and this is going to be awful. Jesus doesn't have any fine print. He says, this is going to be so blessed, but it's going to cost you your life. You're going to have to give yourself up to me. And I think that's probably what Abel's faith had in mind. You know, whether he took it from the, the flocks or from the fields, he was in his offering giving up his life, his heart to God. And that's what God calls each one of us. There's another passage, and uh, we're just about done here. Paul says in Colossians 3, if then you have been raised with Christ, remember I said there's a sense in which we've already died in union with Christ and we have been raised with Christ. That's another subject for another time. But if that's true, then seek those things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, Paul is kind of using an up and down picture. Hebrews 11 is using a now and then picture, more horizontal, but it's the same point. Christ is our life. And in the future, he is going to give us all that is promised in the fullness of a new creation, but we don't get it right now. And we may be called upon to give up something now in view of that coming future. And that's what we'll talk about tomorrow night. So anybody got a picture on here? Faith. Faith. It's all about faith. Superpower of God's superheroes, right? Do you have to be famous to be one of God's superheroes? Are you pretty ordinary? Not to him. You're really special to him. But yeah, I'm ordinary too. That's why I wear fancy shirts, so I'm not quite so ordinary. But you don't have to be special and famous because Jesus loves you. He loves me. He's given us faith. So we got the superpower. But we have to live it out, don't we? Yeah. All right, let's pray. Anybody else got a really good picture? No? 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 I don't want to see your name tag. That's boring. No? 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 
You got anything good here? Bright red. Let me look at it. She trusts God will help her. Is this her name, Lily? Lily the listener? I like that. She loves God. She listens to people's problems and helps them. Oh, that's great. Ooh, is this me last night? Looks pretty ridiculous. It must be me. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you, even though it sounds kind of scary, that you have called us to die. To die to the worship of ourselves, which is so natural, we don't have to train ourselves or practice that. But die so that we might rise again to that glorious coming future. And whether it costs us physically our lives or not, we pray that each day we would be thinking about the future and that city, that new Jerusalem that the book of Revelation describes, that glorious land of promise, indeed that new heavens and new earth where righteousness dwells, where one day raised like Jesus in new glorified bodies, we will dwell with you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in a way that we can't even begin to imagine. And with that in our minds and in our hearts, we pray that we would make the kind of choices, even the tough choices, in the moment that reflect our commitment to that future. Help us to be courageous when we're threatened in one way or another because of our faith and help us to endure the kinds of trials and difficulties that Job did looking forward to that promised glorious future. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for making those wonderful promises. Thank you for sending Jesus already to confirm those through his own death and resurrection, and that promise that though he has left us, he'll be back, and when he comes back, we will be raised with him in glory. What a day that will be. Help us even when we're young to begin to fix our minds on that glorious future to the praise and glory of your grace. Amen.